Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today I have the outstanding Frank McGillan. He's the Chief Commercial Officer at Neurometrics. Frank brings to Neurometrics over 20 years of experience building successful, high-growth consumer brands, most recently at Philips Oral Care and Johnson & Johnson. At Philips, Frank was responsible for building the global oral care business of Sonicare, which many of you all may be familiar with and use the product, to become the number one brand in nearly $1 billion U.S. power toothbrush market. During his career, he's launched over 50 new products and product upgrades and managed businesses across markets, including diagnostic imaging, healthcare informatics, medical devices, dental, and consumer technology. So his, his really well-rounded experience in the business side of healthcare is going to be really interesting to dive into. So it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Frank. Thanks, Saul. So what is it that got you into the business to begin with? Well, you know, I think the thing I really like about the healthcare business is that you get to work on big, hairy problems. Uh, what's more fundamental to society than the health of people? So you got some huge, huge issues to deal with, and they're interesting challenges. But at the end of the day, you're helping people live, live better lives. Couldn't agree with you more. It's um, definitely a big part of the reason I chose to get in. And, and so you're, you find yourself here, you've been with various companies, you've helped launch various products successfully. What would you say a hot topic that needs to be on the mind of every leader in healthcare today? I think digital therapeutics is an area that really needs more attention. And I think what it does is it really connects the dots between the patient or that person who's suffering from a chronic condition. It connects with data and learning, and it also talks to outcomes. I think, unfortunately, much of healthcare is done with, with a dearth of information with, and without really bringing the patient point of view into mind. And when you think about some of the big challenges we have with chronic disease, you know, so much of chronic disease is lifestyle related, you know, from diet to activity levels, you know, things like diabetes. And that, you know, really looking at how can you change behavior? How can you change different aspects of that person's life when they're not in the doctor's office or not in the hospital that can have pretty profound impact in terms of the person's overall health? It definitely is something that resonates, you know, and, and a lot of folks take a look at this behavior change question as it's sort of like a, it's divided, right? There's the people that believe it could be done. And there's the people that believe that it can't be done. What camp are you in? And I imagine you're probably using a digital therapeutic to work with whatever your stance is. Yeah, I think absolutely can be done. I think the challenge is that is too many approaches have just been like, you know, if, if we only educate people more. If we educate them about quitting smoking, or if we educate them about eating better or you know, fitting in exercise, that's all we need to do. And, and if that doesn't work, we'll just shout louder. We'll just turn up the volume, and then all of a sudden, magically, <laughs> we'll start working out. Or, yeah. I mean, if you look at diet, for example, you know, often the reason people are eating, not eating good food, it's a time constraint. It's access to you know, healthy food mm-hmm. if you're in you know, an underserved market. So I think a large part of, of this behavior change is really getting back and understanding what's the root cause and not just assuming that you know the answer and you know we're just gonna kind of ram my answer down down your throat 
we see too many failed programs around behavior change. And again, I think it gets back to really understanding what's the problem you're trying to solve and really what are some of those attitudes? What are some of the challenges that the, that person whose behavior you're trying to solve is facing? Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective and sort of the, the problem behind the problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about neurometrics, the focus that you all take and what is it that you guys do and why? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we're a neurotechnology digital health company. And, you know, we, we're, our expertise is in the area of neurotechnology. So, you know, we came out of MIT and, and we've, for about 20 years, uh, been selling really innovative diagnostic tests for degenerative nerve disease, things like carpal tunnel syndrome, diabetic neuropathy. And more recently, we've applied that expertise to the area of chronic pain, just looking at, you know, the epidemic proportion of how chronic pain is affecting the U.S. population. And there's definitely a huge need for this. Uh, When I think of of chronic pain, it's, it's a big problem. Maybe something that that is the reason for or part of the reason for the opioid epidemic when you and your organization have approached problems like these, maybe you could give us an example of how you've created results by doing things differently. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it started, you know, in our diagnostic business that one of our, our, our leading tests is for diabetic neuropathy and understanding and listening That's to cool. some of the challenges people with diabetic neuropathy have. One thing you heard was diabetic nerve pain. And learning more and more that not only is it a major issue, but the current solutions really aren't really aren't highly effective. So, you know, if you look at the range of pharmaceutical approaches, which are the most common, you've got opioids with their, mm-hmm. you know, pretty obvious downsides. <laughs> Fun fact, you know, I think it was last year about 300 million prescriptions for opioids in the U.S., which is, you know, number one prescribed drug. <laughs> That's a lot of opioids. That's a lot of opioids, and you wonder why there's some problems. But, but even if you look at some of the other medications that are used for chronic pain, patients just don't like them. They cause grogginess. They put people in a fog. So what we heard loud and clear was people, people are looking for an alternative. Yeah. And we looked at a category, a tech, 50-year-old technology called TENS, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, which, huh. you know, it's, it's been around for 50 years. It's used, but it's not widely used. And, and it's not because it, it's not an effective technology for treating pain. The limitation is, is that it's really hard to use right. And it's also the typical designs and the typical products were really not user-friendly with wires and cables and buttons and knobs and just not designed to get the best results. So we really said, well, how do we take sort of a wearable technology approach to that category? How do we think about applying miniaturization, new batteries? Um, how do we think about from a digital health and, and build all that into really a, a, a next generation TENS technology? And that's what we launched with Quell. Very cool. Now, you know, I think of all of the side effects of diabetes. It's really a terrible, terrible thing to, to get and then to have to deal with uh, side effects particularly like, you know, people that, that end up getting type 2 diabetes and lifestyle choices, you've got this device that helps people diagnose their diabetic neuropathy. A lot of people end up getting limbs cut off because of this. Tell us a little bit about how it works and, and how it could help people avoid that problem. Well, you know, on our diagnostics part of our business, a lot of the challenge with 
with diabetic neuropathy is early diagnosis, so you can do early intervention. And you know, our, our DPN pro check product is provides a really simple way to screen early for early signs of diabetic neuropathy. But I think you know, if you look at you know diabetes, you look at also in the chronic pain space, you know, a lot of the challenge for someone suffering from a condition is these lifestyle changes, and and pain is a major one of those major obstacles in terms of positive lifestyle modification. So if you're diabetic, one of the best things you can probably do is get more active. Mm -hmm. <laughs> helps manage your blood sugars, um, you know, helps manage your weight. And, you know, chronic person with lower back pain, for example, um, although they don't want to move, um, there's a lot of research and a lot of data that shows that being active and is really important and helpful. So to some extent, it's the diagnosis is important, but I think how can we empower people to make some of those changes that will help them kind of get back to their life? Yeah, that's so key. And it's neat that you guys have, have been able to make a device that is consumer friendly, that gives them data, that gives them suggestions to make changes. With the development of a product like this, I'm sure you had some setbacks. Maybe you could share a setback that you had and what you learned from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can think of, you know, one instance back when I was at Philips, we tried to launch Sonicare in German, in the German market for the first time, and we fell flat in our face. And wow. It was a time when in the U.S. market, things were on fire. We really had cracked what we thought was the code in terms of how to market a device, both through the dental professional, but also directly to the consumer. And we basically said, we're going to just take that playbook and, and bring it to Germany. We really failed to take into consideration was German dentists and American dentists were really different. <laughs> mm. If you think both, it started attitudinally towards how they thought about preventative care. Workflow was completely different. The use of uh, dental hygienists in a practice was very rare in the German market. So what we learned in that was, you know, again, it's a matter of understanding your customer. I think you know, it also kind of plays in the plays in the fact the point of just test things, learn fast, and yeah. adapt. So that's what we did. You know, that's so interesting because the approach maybe that could have been taken is, hey, let's learn more about the dentists here because they might be different, and then adjust our playbook if necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was you know, maybe a little bit of hubris on our, our point because we were so successful in the U.S. We were had such a strong relationship with the dental professionals that, again, we just, we, I think, just missed the mark. Good news is, you know, we've recovered and, you know, at this point have very success. Uh, Phillips has very successful business in that market. That's good. That's good. So what was the tweak that you guys had to make to get it to work in Germany? You know, I think it was talking in their language mm. and the story in the U.S. market was preventative care will then free you up to do all these higher-end procedures and aesthetic procedures. And aesthetic dentistry in the U.S. was very popular, very high-margin business. For the Germans, it was more about the health aspects, mm. really talking more about periodontal disease and periodontal disease prevention. So it was much more of a scientific play as opposed to a um, business practice building play. Very cool. So, yeah. That's really interesting. And I think the same is true here. When you think of products that you're, you're coming to market with, in particular, as it relates to health informatics, I think there's so many microcultures within the, the general healthcare space that you really have to treat each 
not completely differently, but tune into their particular language, as you called, and, and also their hot buttons. Yeah, yeah. Understand what motivates them. You know, sometimes it's health, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's visibility and sort of uh, prestige. And if, yeah. you guess, if you guess wrong, you're going to be t- trying to push really hard on something that doesn't matter to them. Yeah, a really great highlight. And listeners won the note because it is definitely one that I think is a universal and one of those principles that you take wherever you go, it will definitely serve you well. So thanks for that. What would you say one of your proudest leadership experiences has been to date? Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done in the past four years here at Neurometrics with the launch of, of Quell um, wearable pain relief technology. And I think it starts with what we hear from, from our users. You know, we hear stories from people who just were desperate desperate for relief from their pain. And they say, I've tried everything. I'm at the end of my rope, um, suicidal. And hearing folks say that, you know, they're able to do live a normal life again. So that's been really satisfying. And it's been fun, the fact that, you know, we've been charting on treading in uncharted waters, that talking about a wearable technology for pain and educating both the end user as well as clinicians, that this really is a viable alternative to medication. And getting people to actually understand that this is sound science. You know, Americans in particular are so, so um, ingrained in us that if you have an ailment, you take two pills. Take two pills and yeah. call me in the morning. And here we're saying that, no, we're actually going to tap into your central nervous system and use electricity to actually alter your perception of pain. So it's been an interesting challenge in how do you communicate that and, and build a business around a whole new paradigm for treating a chronic condition. It's fascinating. And uh, so you guys are going from the outside in and, uh, you know, I, my mind goes to neuromodulation yeah, and, and the work being done there. This is sort of an extension of that or, or how would you classify it? Oh, it's absolutely neuromodulation. Yeah. So again, getting back to TENS technology, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation was developed like 50 years ago by Medtronic. And it was mm-hmm. used as basically to, a vehicle to test if someone was a good candidate for an implantable spinal stimulator. It's a little more challenging since you're delivering the nerve stimulation through skin. So it's a little more challenging. But, you know, if you look at with advanced electronics, battery, better battery, et cetera, et cetera, there's, we're able to do a lot of stuff at a fraction of the cost and non-invasively. Yeah. And the key is non-invasively. Yeah. You know, not only the risk that's associated with invasive procedures, but also the cost. Yeah, absolutely. You know, implantable spinal stimulator could be a $50,000 procedure. And yeah, we're effectively doing, you know, and I can't say we're, we're equivalent, but, you know, we're effectively doing a similar approach, but, you know, it's a $300 device. Wow. And I was going to ask you, so it's 300 bucks, most likely something that folks could purchase through their HSA, right? You know, it's an over-the-counter. We're class class two device. In fact, even our app is part of our 510k filing, but it's over the counter. So folks can use F- HSA dollars if, if they have a FSA or HSA account or a cash pay if not. I think that's cool. And I think it's really neat, uh, Frank, that you've, you've decided to continue your focus on, on the consumer aspects of, of healthcare, you know, because a lot of people are afraid of saying, man, you know, B- B2C is tough. Like I, I really don't, I'm afraid of going there. And what is it that attracts you to this? You know, I think I really like getting close to the end user and understanding and seeing how we can help people. And I think if you look at, you know, the major trends, people are getting much more involved in their healthcare because they have to. And I think with new technologies, there's so many opportunities to put the power into that 
person's hands and really help them improve their health again for the bulk of their life that they're not in that doctor's you know in that doctor's office or in that physician's direct care yeah i think that's really neat and i always harp on this i with the growing deductible amounts we are being forced to look at more options before considering taking that whatever test or going to that assigned place for the MRI or or taking that risk for that surgery. Having a device like yours for 300 bucks, listen, it's a very small outlay with potential chance that it may work. But it does challenge you to be providing real value for that consumer, that patient. When that MRI is free, you know, okay, well, no big deal. But people are challenges every day. Show me why it works. And, and occasionally mm-hmm. we'll hear people complain, oh, it's so expensive. It's not covered by insurance. And if you look on our Facebook page, for example, people will come back and say, this thing's changed my life. You know, what are you going to pay for being able to travel or, or walk yeah. or go out with your kids? So it's encouraging. But at the end of the day, again, you have to be able to prove that you're delivering value for, for the money. For sure. For sure. That's very interesting. So, Frank, tell us about an exciting project that you guys are working on today. Well, we've been collecting a ton of data since we've been on the market. So as we're a connected device, you know, we're able to collect both usage data, sleep data, activity, gait, as well as self-reported pain data. So we're really looking at applying the, you know, the data we've collected from over 70,000 users and you know, a gazillion data points to actually build a, an even smarter device. So we've got mm. some news coming. We're actually going to launch it at, the, at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, in January. So I can't really tell you any details, but I can right. say we're really excited about it. <laughs> Man, that's, uh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Well, we'll have to definitely stay tuned with what you guys are up to. When is CES? Starts January 8th. Okay, so it's around the corner. This is an exciting time for you guys. Yeah, and, and, and it's really interesting how CES has evolved in the last five years. I mean, it really, healthcare is becoming a huge part of it. Uh, you mentioned neuromodulation. There's a big session on neuromodulation at CES. Is that? Who, would, who would have thought? I know, right? That's so crazy. Love it. Well, you guys, I think, are doing an excellent project, a great thing for people there. So keep up what you're doing. Getting close to the end here, Frank, I've got a leadership course that we're going to do a quick syllabus with a lightning round for the listeners. Five questions, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Excellent. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Enlist the patient in the process. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Avoid falling in love with the technology rather than solving a real problem. Amen. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Yeah, look at what innovators are doing outside the industry. I'm also a huge podcast fan. You can learn a lot in your evening commute. Love that. What is one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? It's really about helping that chronic pain suffer. You know, these people feel abandoned. They feel stigmatized by the whole opioid crisis. And, and we're able to make a real difference for them. What is your number one success habit? I think get, getting up early and, and spending some time out running so I can think about what I need to do. Nice. <laughs> some good thinking time. Absolutely. Time. Love that. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Frank? Yeah, my current favorite is Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow by Yuval uh, hmm. Noah Harari. It's really fascinating. He's written from a historian, Israeli historian, but he thinks he talks about things like AI and bioengineering and kind of projects huh. like the impact it could have in humanity in the next hundred years. Very cool. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> 
Oh man, interesting. Homo Deus. Yeah. Um, folks, you could find this syllabus, uh, link to Homo Deus, a link to Frank's company. Just go to outcomesrocket.health and you'll find them there. Just type in neurometrics in the search bar and you'll find uh, uh, this episode ready for you to review once again. Before we conclude, Frank, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could follow you or reach out to you. Well, I just want to, yeah, so thank you for inviting me to join. I think you're sharing a lot of information, which is, which is awesome. You know, folks want to connect with me, probably the easiest way is, you know, my Twitter handle is fmcgillen, at fmcgillen, F-M-C-G-I-L-L-I-N. Outstanding. Frank, this has been a pleasure. Keep doing what you guys are doing, man. Uh, you know, the people need you, and we're looking forward to hearing what that new product is here in the next month. Awesome. Thanks, all. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.